Thank you for joining me on episode 50 of the Unique on a Purpose podcast, helping you find victory in how God has uniquely created you. I am your host, Rachel Jenneman, just a regular gal trying to help people know they are called to be victors in Christ Jesus. Today on our second edition of the ADHD series, Lindsay LaVisca is an ADHD person raising ADHD kids talk about a lot. So listen in as she shares her story and how you can apply some tips from her life into yours. Welcome back to the Unique On Purpose podcast. I'm here today with Lindsay. Lindsay, actually, I didn't even ask you where you are from. Where are you from? Well, I am living in the Carolinas. We live in the Charlotte area of North Carolina. Oh, okay. My parents have a house in Sneeds Ferry. So okay. We go I, we go to Sneeds Ferry quite a bit and visit Topsail Island, Surf City. Oh wow, that's wonderful. Yeah, so that's I know great. the area well. <laughs> Good. Oh yay. Yeah. But you are a wife, you're a mom, you're an educator, you are the founder of Heart for All Students, which we're going to get into in a little bit. But I've started this series on ADHD because I am a firm believer as you are that we are all created unique on purpose and even though the world may see certain things as a disadvantage in our lives and really they can be a disadvantage I believe God wants to use those to his advantage he wants to use those areas to glorify himself and that includes ADHD and so first I want to because you have ADHD yeah as an adult female which you don't hear about very often but then on top of that your children have ADHD as well. Yes. Now, mm-hmm. Does your husband? No. Okay. No, no, no. So, so he's no. the one trying to keep all of you in order. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I would beg to differ on that, but yes. Or, or it presents itself very differently in him. Because yeah. No. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so tell me before we begin, because I kind of want to hear your testimony and if ADHD had a role to play in that. But first, what are the symptoms? What exactly is ADHD and what are the symptoms? Okay. Well, interesting to your point earlier, how the world likes to define everything as good or bad, yes. black or white. We, I loved when I learned about your podcast and I learned about your heart because yes, you and I are totally on the same page. So I was really excited that you, um, that you have this podcast speaking about the uniqueness of each individual. And so it's interesting because the definition or like the diagnostic kind of terminology for ADHD is that it's a, it's the most common neurodevelopmental disorder mm-hmm. in childhood. And when I hear that word disorder, that just is negative. And so I personally like to stay away away from that. But just technically, it's one of the most uh, common neurodevelopmental disorders in childhood. And it actually lasts into adulthood. Mm -hmm. Um, It's particularly, it affects executive functioning, which we can talk about a little bit more later, um, and emotional regulation. So the way that it would like display itself in children would be like, you're, obviously it has to do with focus and attention. Your child may have trouble paying attention to whatever is not preferred or not interesting to them. Um, you might have a child that you know is that classic bouncing off the walls, ha- constantly hyper, talking all the time. Um, their bedroom might be messy all the time. Backpack binders could be messy all the time. Um, lots and lots of energy, obviously. Uh, impulsivity. Mm-hmm. Uh, your child might blurt things out in front. Of, you know, blurt things out to people that are just socially no. Why did they say that? Um, some of these kids, they might have more. If, 
typically, and I'm just being generalizing, but boys might be more daredevilish in their behaviors, more thrill-seeking. They might have a low frustration tolerance where they get frustrated really easily, and that's just more of that emotional piece, that more emotional regulation piece. Some of these kids have trouble in school. If their kids are in traditional school, they might have trouble paying attention. Those kind of classic symptoms are Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. And, some, and when people ask me really what ADHD is, I feel like for me personally, the best way to describe it is the lack of dopamine. There is oh, a yeah. lack of dopamine that comes in that mm-hmm. reward hormone that you mm-hmm. would normally get in a neurotypical situation, but the ADHD child doesn't necessarily get that, um, that dopamine kick. That, yes. that is in a neurotypical child. Tell me the difference between, because a lot of people don't know. What is the difference between ADHD and autism? Okay. Just prefacing this to say that I am not a medical doctor. I have my master's in teaching, and my, I'm a learner, 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 learner. So I'm mm-hmm. just prefacing this. I've learned a lot over the years. Um, <laughs> And I did want to speak to one point that I didn't really mention is the inattentive ADHD, Mm. where you have, um, there's different categories of ADHD if they're going to be diagnosed. And a lot of times, like in girls, they'll have what's more that inattentive type. And so that would be like the child that's more daydreamy. They seem seem to just check out. And it's not just girls, okay? I don't want to generalize that much. But that is one reason why girls can get uh, overlooked in the Mm. ADHD department why so many women aren't diagnosed until later on in life because it's oh. just missed because it's not as um, prevalent and in your face as some of those more out there behaviors that we might right. see in, a, in a, a boy or that typical type of ADHD behavior, mm-hmm. um, which my daughter displayed that more, ah, you know, energetic hyper type of behavior. Some mm-hmm. girls definitely get misdiagnosed. So as far as autism and, and ADHD, they have a lot of they have a lot of co they have a lot of the same symptoms. So that's why it's really hard with ADHD and autism, but both of them are considered neurodevelopmental disorders. Again, the disorder, I like to think of them as just neurodevelopmental differences, Right. but ADHD is primarily has to do with challenges with executive functioning and self-regulation. And we might want to talk about executive functioning now or later. You just let me know. Mm-hmm. Um, but autism tends to be more problems with social, social interactions, communication, and repetitive behaviors. So a child with autism may really have an inability or a huge trouble with being able to read the room or have the ability to intuitively understand social communication, mm-hmm. social you know, facial expressions, um, communication that we go back and forth and we bounce off of each other's ideas. And a lot of times you'll see in children with autism some re- repetitive behaviors, which often are called stims. It's when it, we will use the term stimming. So mm-hmm. maybe you'll see hand flapping. Maybe you'll see um, head banging, different types of repetitive behaviors. And the other thing with autism we see a lot is that children tend to perseverate or um, focus in on a limited number of activities or interests. So mm-hmm. they're very, very interested in one particular thing. So, mm-hmm. you know, the classic, the classic, like if you look at DSM-5, which is like the diagnostic manual that like psychiatrists would use to diagnose these types of quote unquote disorders, that it's very much this, the, um, the symptoms in there tend to uh, really rely on information from boys. So the classic kind of hyper-focused type of behavior would be like focusing on trains or focusing on 
only on their Legos. But with girls, you might see it looks more appropriate. And this is why girls are also, you know, misdiagnosed or missed with autism. It could be a Beanie Boo collection. It could be collections and focus on one particular television show. So it's, that's what we see different where kids with autism have really intense fixations and they really only like to talk about that. Mm-hmm. And again, this is, I'm generalizing here. Right. Whereas kids with ADHD, they too might have social faux pas, but they understand the rules. They just have a hard time executing them, the mm-hmm. social rules, if that makes any sense. Oh, yeah. And we do have to realize too that just because those that are listening right now, if your child has one of these symptoms that doesn't mean that they have autism or doesn't mean that they have ADHD because all of us really have autistic sensory and ADHD tendencies. All of us do. Um, So just because you might have one of these symptoms doesn't necessarily mean you have them. Now tell me the difference. This is something I had to learn because I have a child with sensory processing issues and I'm just like you. I don't say disorder because I'm just... Yes. I hate that. I hate that word. So when I'm trying to explain SPD to somebody, I just say my son has sensory issues, and that's just yep. where I leave yep. it. Um, I but agree. I had to really study. There is a difference between ADHD and SPD yeah. because there's so much that does overlap. My my son does not have ADHD, but he is prevalent in sensory processing issues. So kind of tell me the difference between those two. Well, sensory, in, in, to your point that you just said, and I wanted to scream amen about the fact that we all have sensory issues. We mm-hmm. all have ADHD-type behaviors. We all have autistic-type behaviors. Every single person on the planet at some point in time is going to display a behavior that looks like ADHD, autism, sensory processing um, disorder, sensory mm-hmm. processing issues. I agree with you. So sensory processing issues or disorder it's actually not even it's not even a medical diagnosis it's typically um, diagnosed by an occupational therapist and it really just has to do with the variety of sensory systems in our body and how our brain receives and processes sensory input so you know a lot of people will just refer to sensory kids or kids that have sensory issues again to your point we all have sensory issues so if we think of you know the five senses we learned of in school you know sight taste touch smell um, hearing, mm-hmm. and then you have three other sensory systems: interoception, proprioception, and vestibular. Um, those there's eight systems, and it's how our brain receives that information. Some uh, kids are hypersensitive to, or their bodies or their brains are hypersensitive to specific inputs. Like I'm not sure with your son, but like the classic thing is, you know, tags on the shirt. Mm-hmm. A tag on a shirt to me doesn't bother me at all. But to, like, my son, it's itchy, scratchy, ow, it hurts. And it's not that he's exaggerating. It's his brain is receiving that as an assault on the body. Mm -hmm. uh, Sounds can be overwhelming to the point that they're painful. Mm -hmm. So there's all different ways that we receive uh, sensory input. um, And it's with kids with sensory processing disorder. You obviously know they just have, it's more impactful in their lives. And therefore, they need to get support in order to integrate those sensory the sensory responses mm-hmm. into their into their bodies and how they receive that sensory input. Yeah. So uh, as far as ADHD, autism, and sensory processing disorder, you can have sensory processing disorder or sensory processing issues and not qualify to have an ADHD diagnosis or an autism diagnosis. Mm-hmm. It's and and a lot of people like people that have gone through trauma, they their nervous system is unregulated and therefore will have. Uh, be more hypersensitive mm. to sounds, to okay. touch, mm-hmm. to 
I mean, it's a nervous, at the bottom line, is it's a nervous system issue, and it's how the nervous system displays itself, whether it's trouble with executive functioning. Okay, we're going to call it ADHD because we're human beings, and we use terminology in order to help classify people so we can help them. Mm-hmm. Or it might look, your nervous system might look more like sensory processing issues only, or autism. It's all neurological, and... Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and yeah, it does. And the thing is, is it can sound confusing on the surface. And that's why it's so important to if you suspect something in your child to really do your research, because like yeah. you said, you can have sensory processing disorder and not ADHD and autism. But if you have ADHD and autism, it's most likely you do have some sensory issues. And so it's always good to do your research and figure out what exactly my child is doing. Because you mentioned hypersensitive. My son is actually the opposite. He is hypersensitive. So he he has to have more sensory input. I mean, touching yep. is huge for him. His his vestibular and his proprioceptive mm-hmm. are off. So there are like certain exercises that we have to do in the morning before school. So that way he's not, um, you know, irregular throughout, throughout the, the day at school. Now, I want to know what it was like for you growing up with ADHD. Were you diagnosed as a child? And did that have anything to do with you coming to Christ and your testimony? Actually, no. Mm-hmm. I I did not get diagnosed until I was forty one, and that no was only way. because of the, yeah, and that was only because of my children. Oh, and it, no. In fact, I loved school. I love learning. I still do. I killed it in school. Mm-hmm. So it's so funny because um, that whole childhood. If you look at the definition of it, as it is right now, it says like developmental childhood or childhood developmental disorder, but they're finding a lot of people are starting to um, be diagnosed as adults without having um, symptoms of ADHD mm-hmm. as a child. Again, it wasn't until I was 41, and we, do, we are finding women are getting diagnosed later, mm-hmm. um, a, a lot more now. Uh, I don't, it, I love that you asked me that question because it's nice you know, I wanted to look back hindsight. Okay, now that I know I have ADHD, what did it look like when I was younger? Um, but because I had a, uh, I had kind of a tumultuous upbringing, there were enough variables that were kind of rocking my world that I think I the ADHD wasn't my issue uh, as a child. It was more once I became an adult and I didn't have those outside compensatory strategies set up for me. So a lot of times when we do struggle with ADHD, if we struggle with impulsivity or focus or stuff like that, when you're in school and you're a girl or you have enough capability to, or enough strategies to help you function, um, you're fine. But once you lose the outside structure, for me personally, once I lost the outside structure of college, graduate school, of work, right? And then Mm -hmm. I became a stay-at-home mom. And then I had to be the executive functioning center of the brain for everybody with these little kids. Mm -hmm. And I lost all outside support. That's when it started to show show itself, when I could no no longer handle the level of uh, what I needed to do every single day is when Mm -hmm. it really started to show itself. And a lot of women, anxiety, a lot of times women are diagnosed with anxiety uh, or depression first before they're diagnosed with ADHD. Mm -hmm. Okay, so you had talked about you didn't get diagnosed, you you started noticing these symptoms after your kids. How did Mm -hmm. that come into play? Tell me about your kids. Tell me about the son that you adopted, how that 
how that worked it just wove together yes uh, my husband and i adopted a baby boy uh eight years ago um and we we prior to that we had two girls uh one who's now 16 one that's 13 and our son is eight and when we adopted him you know i thought i thought that i knew everything about being the perfect parent the perfect christian mom <laughs> I'm not, i mean i i would never have said that at the time right. but now i can look back and think oh my word i was such a fair scene i didn't even know it mm-hmm. um so this this boy entered our world and um, by the time he hit 18 months he started screaming bloody murder, um, hitting, kicking, biting, scratching, throwing everything. He couldn't speak. He didn't sleep. And when I say didn't sleep, I mean, I was lucky if I got like 45 minutes at a time over 365 days of the year. It was Mm -hmm. horrific. And it brought me to my absolute, to my knees. And he is the one that really, I believe, saved our family. It destroyed our family, but he saved our family. Um, Mm -hmm. We had to I had, that's when I had to start learning about the brain and behavior and why, why certain behaviors aren't just bad or good or isn't just, just purely out of sin, but that there's a reason behind it. And we, when we understand and we love and we start to come alongside kids in a different way and understand them, and I'm just so grateful to the Lord for the information that we have now, the, science, the scientific information that we have now to help us understand why kids are struggling and adults are struggling with mental health and all the things. But my son really, really changed me because he broke me and he made me realize I can't control another human being. Mm. And I was trying to control this kid and I couldn't. Mm-hmm. So there was a lot more going on. And so that kind of started the journey. And then I was able to see uh, in my girls, I changed how I parented my girls who both have ADHD. Neither one of them is medicated for it. It just wasn't a fit for them. But he's just, this boy has changed me so much and how I parent and all the things he's got me. So does he very... have ADHD as well? Yes, he has. Yes, he definitely would be diagnosed with ADHD based on the qualifications to have an ADHD diagnosis. However, his issues, like, again, it's neurological. It's part of the nervous system, and it has to do with, you know, how his birth mother did not take care of him very well when he was uh, growing in her womb. And so... He, he, she just exposed him to things that he should never have been exposed to. And so, like I said, you can have that ADHD diagnosis, but for a completely different reason. Mm. And for him, it has to do with some exposure to alcohol, which is by far the most dangerous drug to expose a developing baby to. And that's impacted him highly. So he has sensory issues, mm-hmm. totally has sensory issues. Again, he has sensory issues because of a totally different reason than yeah. maybe your son does, or maybe than mm-hmm. I do, right? Yeah. 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 Now, mm-hmm. you started a heart for all students as an educator, as a homeschool mom. Why did you start that? Did it stem from your son? Tell me a little bit about that. Oh, yes, it totally did. Um, during several years where we were trying to figure out what was going on with this child, where I was sleep deprived and he was, it was so hard for my girls to watch how our family would just kind of fell apart because he was so behaviorally out of control. And eventually as I learned more and as I grew and I partnered with so many, uh, you know, occupational therapists and speech therapists and developmental pediatricians and learned as I grew, I, um, realized as I, w- I was teaching, basically what happened was, is I was teaching a class of kids 
and I was teaching like an English grammar class and I was noticing how I was teaching them differently. I was noticing when the boys or the girls would get wiggly when they would get inattentive, for example. And in years past, I would have been, oh, they're being disobedient. Oh, Mm -hmm. they're being disrespectful, Right. right? Right. And all of a sudden I realized, no, 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 no. This boy was made to move. This girl was made to move. She needs to move right now. She needs to use her body in order to activate her brain so that she can focus and she can listen and attend to what this information. And so I was changing how I was working with these kids. And I started tutoring some of these children and working with them. And I could see that parents um, were getting frustrated with their kids because of behaviors that looked on the outside, especially in our, um, I was a homeschool Christian you know, community where it can be very, very conservative, which is not a bad thing. It's just what it is. Mm-hmm. And behaviors or everyone was looking at behavior as just always willful. And I was seeing behind these behaviors in these kids. And I realized, and I just love kids. I've been in children's ministry for over 16 years. I love children. And when I started realizing that these kids weren't being willfully disobedient, they weren't acting that way to be ugly. They just needed a little support. They needed someone to walk alongside them. I realized I was able to help more kids in the, particularly in the Christian community by helping these moms understand what's going on behind the behaviors, help them Mm -hmm. understand and come alongside relationally with their children, as opposed to in this, this feeling of I've got to get my kid under control because my pastor's wife says it needs to be this way. Mm -hmm. And, And, you know, and so that was my heart behind a heart for all students was that we are all students, we are always learning, we are always growing, and it also refers to the fact that there are so many children that just think and process the world differently, and they need people to understand this message needs to get across, that it doesn't have to be in the box. You don't have to, teaching and learning doesn't have to be sitting at a desk all day Mm -hmm. if we want our kids long-term to thrive as the people God wants them to be. And if our kids are constantly being told that they're bad, that they need to get it together, that they're being disobedient, you're, 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 you have no self-control, you're this, you're that, you're this, because that's what we are told as a lot of in the Christian community, Christian parents, that you have to get your kid to obey right away and all these things. Well, even outside the Christian community. Yeah. <laughs> that's what you're we're right. told. You're right. But in my world at the time, mm-hmm. you know, it was just so, that was my world. And yeah. I just, I, no one... It, it was so hard. It was mm-hmm. so hard. So anyways, that was that was the heart behind the heart for all students. Uh, I also um, helped parents whose kids were in public school that wanted to transition out of public school to equip these moms to be able to equip their kids at home with their education and behaviors and all those things. And so that's that's kind of how it all started. Mm-hmm. Um, it's been a blessing. It really has. So what is on your website? Like what kind of resources do you have to help those parents? Lots of information. There's, there's like two sides to it. There's the behavioral piece and then there's the educational piece. So lots and lots of information about like, you know, it says how to homeschool ADHD and I've got, you know, all these tips and strategies for that. But really those tips and strategies aren't just for homeschoolers. This is for life. So mm-hmm. we are always learning. It's not just about academics. You know, if you can get your kid to focus on academics, great. But if you can get your kid to focus while at home, they can focus to, they can focus in on relationship stuff, dynamic stuff. Like yeah. all these tips are for for parents of just kids outside the box. So I say ADHD and autism. We talk a lot about issues with parenting kids with ADHD, autism, sensory processing, anxiety. We talk about, you know, um, sensory. We talk a lot about sensory stuff, a lot about the sensory systems, proprioception, what tools and strategies we can use with these kids Mm -hmm. in all different areas. Um, 
So that's what's all over the website. And there's um, interviews. And um, I do have a podcast I haven't recorded in about a year. And that's a whole other story. And I will get back to that. But lots of information uh, on the podcast. Um, just about how to reach these kids really not for today, but for the rest of their lives. Because we mm-hmm. only have them for a short time right. than when they're under our charge. And so it's the messages that our kids receive are the ones they're going to take into adulthood with them. Yeah. And those messages literally, they're going to be an adult for 75, 80% of their lives. Mm-hmm. And these are foundational things that we, the messages we send them, you know, particularly kids with ADHD and that are neurodivergent. A lot of people use that term with ADHD, autism, just kind of throw anybody who's just outside the box, right? Mm-hmm. A lot of these kids are constantly receiving messages that they're bad and that there's something wrong with them. And, and that is not what we want for them. They are children of God. They were created intentionally for a purpose. And they need to know that, that if it's different now, it's okay to be different. They need to yeah. You know, that's that's the whole message is for these kids' lives to be changed long term. Well, and I like how you said you talked about the behavioral piece. Like, for example, my son was in kindergarten and that's kind of when we discovered that he has a lot of sensory processing issues. He the the teachers, the principals, they were really struggling with him because he had to touch everything. And one time at lunch, he was touching uh, the students next to him at lunchtime and he got in trouble for it. And he was kind of placed in timeout. And what I had to explain was, and it was only, and they didn't know, like they didn't know, honestly, if I was in their position, I probably would have done the same thing uh, because I was annoying all the other kids. But as his mom who had, was doing now all the research and was learning about my son, I had to explain, like, you cannot put him in timeout because he is touching somebody. The reason why he is touching somebody is because he is hyposensitive. He is needing touch he is needing the input so what you have basically said to him is i understand that your leg itches but you have to itch your elbow like you cannot put him in timeout and put and make him be in trouble for something that his body needs we just have to recognize okay his body obviously needs something what can we do to give him that input instead of say, okay, you're in trouble because now he just thinks he's a bad kid. And that's what he would come home and tell me, mom, I'm just a bad kid. And I had to redirect and say, no, you're not. We are just learning how your body is different and that's okay. And I think that's something that that any parents that are listening, that's really going to be your job to really find Mm -hmm. out how your child functions so you can then best communicate that to the teacher. And so my question to you is if I have a child that, okay, I am suspecting some ADHD, they're not sleeping at night, they're overly hyper, they're not focusing at school, what steps do I need to then take? Well, it's interesting because you kind of answer that question. (laughs) My my number one is you've already answered that. And Mm -hmm. my number one is you have to learn. Mm -hmm. You have to be willing to learn and read. If you're not a reader, you listen to podcasts, you listen to audiobooks, you learn your child and don't give um, your child over to the authority of, of other, of other adults. You, you look for people to get on your team with your child. So you look, you know, you would look for an occupational therapist. You, if you look for um, a play therapist or a child psychologist that can walk alongside your child to navigate, you know, 
social issues or mental health issues that he or those messages that he's receiving that he thinks he's a bad kid or you, you figure out where is the greatest need for my particular child right now for you you know at that time obviously you had to work on his mindset and how he felt about himself but also giving him that proprioception that deep um, pressure that input that he needed and I have a child just like that that's my middle daughter she is very hypo sensitive to sensory input so she is constantly begging into things and she especially when she was younger lots of like um, she bang into walls and stuff like that because her body needed this input that it wasn't you know, able to sense. So I totally get that. So learning, read, 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 educate yourself and then look, you know, look, go, I mean, I, I, social media is such a pain, but there's also really fantastic ways to use it. And if you're on Facebook, find groups, local groups of mm-hmm. special needs kids or kids with ADHD or kids with sensory processing and then get referrals for um, professionals that could, that have good reputations that can help be part of team kid, you know, your child, whatever your child's name is, you know, that don't stop learning and don't listen to people that tell you, oh, your child's just bad or Mm -hmm. they're going to be in trouble or you better nip it in the bud. No, 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 no. You, God gave you that child on purpose for a reason. He chose you on purpose. Even if you feel so inadequate, the Lord chose you on purpose for a reason. And that's why you are the, the key and that's a lot of pressure. I realize that, yeah. but you are, you know, but I want moms, particularly moms to feel that their voice matters because it does, mm-hmm. it does when it comes to our kids. So that, that's what I would say. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, that's what I would say. Well, what if, okay, now what if I'm a teacher and I am suspecting that a child in my classroom has ADHD, they don't have a 504 plan and ISD, they don't, uh, or I, um, Oh my gosh, what is IEP? IEP. Yeah, I couldn't think yeah. of the, the term for a second. They don't have an IEP. Yeah. Uh, they're not on medication. So the, the parents have no idea. But I, as a teacher, am suspecting it. How do I approach the parents in a loving way? Because when you find out there's something different about your child, like it crushes you. Mm-hmm. It, it crushes you. And you have to almost walk through it, get on the other side to finally be at the point where maybe you and I are at that say, no, yeah. no, no, this is a superpower and God's going to yeah. use it for his glory. But at the time, you are not feeling that. So if I'm a teacher and I want to approach a parent, hey, have you ever had your child tested for ADHD? Like, how do I do that? That's a big one. <laughs> I mean, from my perspective, from this is what I would do. This is what I would do. Before I even approached a parent that way, I would be engaged. I would be offering that child because a child with ADHD, I was going to say sensory input, because a child with ADHD, a lot of times they need to take that extra energy and put it in a place, put it somewhere. So I would be giving, I would be trying out strategies, giving them little sensory balls to squish, giving them a chair, put a chair band around their chair and see if they... Um, like if you take like a, like a band uh, exercise band, these are all over my website. You can see like all these different techniques, but I would have a few tools like that in my classroom and utilize them on that child. I would have that kid get up and do, or have all the kids when a kid's getting really hyper, get up and do 15 jump squats or something like that. And I would be giving him the input that he needs to be able to focus his brain. I give him you know, do you understand what I'm saying? Like, yep. give him things to give him a Rubik's cube. Put him if he needs to go in the back to twist a Rubik's cube so that he can actually listen and pay attention because that was what happened. Kids with ADHD they do need those fidgets to place that energy so that their brain is freed up, not focusing on controlling movement, but being able to listen. So if you give them small, tiny things, that's why those fidgets are there. They are more able. You open up the door to their 
brain being able to hear and receive and process what you want them to hear. So I'd be trying those tools first with that child to kind of get a feel of what's going on. That's personally what I would do first. Mm -hmm. And then I would, the blessing for me is I'm able to talk about my ADHD and I, it's like, I can talk about it and and normalize it. So personally, I would start normalizing the conversation of ADHD in the classroom and not as a bad thing, as a good thing. And, you know, I would almost backdoor it personally. I would backdoor it where the kids believe that there's nothing wrong with ADHD. That's, I would create a culture in my classroom where being ADHD or having differences or needing our bodies needing to move is just part of how we're designed. Now they can't Mm -hmm. talk about God if they're in a public school, but maybe create that culture so that the kid might start to go, Hey, I wonder if I have ADHD, mm-hmm. you know, set a tone. I don't have the perfect answer for how you approach a parent, especially if a parent is not receptive. Mm-hmm. But if you can, if you can say to them, Hey, when I give him something to focus his attention on, he does really well. Mm-hmm. And maybe that's, maybe that's the first seed in the mom's or the dad's mind. And mm-hmm. maybe a couple of years later, they're more willing to approach that that make sense? Oh yeah, absolutely. Do you find that more parents, this is what I'm seeing. I don't know what you are seeing in your world. I'm finding more parents, moms that have children with ADHD are now switching to homeschool. Is that something you're seeing? Oh yeah. Oh, absolutely. Especially since, you know, the 2020 happened. I mean, people were reaching out left and right then. And I think what happened um, when 2020 hit and these kids come out and these kids start thriving at home, they start to realize, huh, there's something, there's something up with this homeschooling thing. So homeschooling is a blessing because you really can cater the education to the, to the learner, mm-hmm. which is wonderful because then that means they learn better in the process. Um, it's not easy. It's, homeschooling is not easy. I'm not going to lie. It's not easy, but it's worth it. If mm-hmm. you feel led to do it, it's worth it because you can you, the sky's the limit to how you approach this child and help them receive and process what you wanted them to know, mm-hmm. whether it be math or you can use the trampoline. We're on the trampoline all the time, learning our math facts and mm-hmm. spelling words and talking about books. And so that is a blessing. Especially if they have like a hyper focus and you're homeschooling them, you can almost tailor their education to their hyper focus. Mm-hmm. Explain to me what hyper focus is. I'm not sure if many people know the definition of that. It's the, it's the ability to zero in on something with intensity to the exclusion of everything else. So it's almost like every person on the planet has at some point felt this feeling of being in the zone, right? Where you just don't even hear anything else going on. You're so focused, whether it's a movie you're watching or if it's your crafting or if you're playing sports or whatever that is. With hyper-focus, you literally just zero in on what you're working on or what's interesting to you or what you're passionate about to the exclusion. You just don't really hear or hear anything else. No other information is able to pull your input is able to pull you from that focus. Mm -hmm. And a lot of kids with ADHD have the ability to hyper-focus and that's that's part of their gifting. Mm -hmm. And what's cool about that is as a parent, you can kind of take that, whatever it is, and you can try and direct them, redirect them in certain areas. I was watching a TED Talk and Mm -hmm. the mom, she was a mom of an ADHD child. Her husband had ADHD and he was, her, her son was constantly failing different writing assignments Mm -hmm. and she's like you know what if you just gave him the same writing assignment but the focus was on dinosaurs i guarantee you he would get an a because that was his focus that was what he was an expert in he could tell you every single dinosaur whatever time period it came from because he was just an expert as a child 
in his hyper focus. Um, Mm -hmm. And then I've seen that, too, when that child then becomes an adult they can take that hyper focus, whether put it into their career or whatever. And they ended, I mean, it really ends up being kind of their superpower. Absolutely. Absolutely. I know that there are kids with ADHD that, and even autism, even sensory processing, even kids that don't even have a label. There are kids that struggle with executive functioning skills, but more so if they have ADHD what exactly are executive functioning skills and how we as parents and as teachers can help our kids develop that? Um, executive functioning skills are a, a, they're a set of skills that develop over time, and they are regulated by the prefrontal cortex area of the brain, so the executive area of the brain, which is basically the part of the brain, if you put your hand on your forehead, it's the part of the brain that's closest to that part, okay? Mm-hmm. And that's the last part of the brain to develop. It doesn't oh. fully it does not fully develop until the age of 25, okay? Mm-hmm. Approximately 25. So ex- those skills come from that area of the brain that's not developed. And those skills are things like following directions, sustaining attention, planning and being able to foresee the future and kind of like I want to do this a week from now so I need to do x y and z now mm-hmm. um, in order to get there. Organization, follow through, per, um, it's perseverance, um, Impulse control, that impulsivity, um, mental flexibility. So um, when if our kids think they're going to do one thing today, they're going to go see grandma, and then grandma gets sick and we can't see grandma. Um, kids that struggle with executive functioning, they'll it's one thing to feel disappointed. It's one thing to lose it, and you yeah. know ahead of time that my kid is going to have a flip and meltdown, and that's an area, that's an executive functioning challenge. That's an issue. Um, so it's uh, definitely when we talk about kids with ADHD and um, autism, you're gonna have you're gonna see issues with executive functioning. Um, however, you see them with all children, and, and this mm-hmm. uh, to the point of what we expect of kids these days mm-hmm. and the behaviors that we expect. We as adults still with fully developed prefrontal cortex, fully developed brains, have meltdowns, temper tantrums become impulsive, have trouble following directions, have a trouble focusing. I feel personally yet, attacked right now. I don't, don't you? That's my life. That's why I just gave up. I just gave up. I'm like, I'm, I'm a train wreck and that's okay. Like, that's, that's okay. Mm-hmm. Because, but, that's, but that's the thing. But yet we expect it of our children. Right. Obey right away. You need to do this. You need to do that. How dare you talk, you know, you need to shut your mouth, blah, blah, blah. We have to be... Jesus, the message of Jesus, like the gospel, right, is that like it's all about relationship and mm-hmm. grace and love. And like I just want parents to understand, particularly in the church, that our kids, our, our kids are they're growing and they're, they're not fully grown yet. Mm-hmm. And, and they're going to make mistakes and we should not be offended or surprised when our kids make mistakes because yeah. they're going to. Mm-hmm. Um, they're going to. And that's. Okay, because we all are going to do it. We're all going to make mistakes, which is why we need Jesus, right? Sorry. No, you're fine. You're preaching now. Uh, (laughs) Have you ever read the book Smart But Scattered? Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. I, have I have that, that. book. I have like, I accidentally bought all of them. So I like, I have the yes. adult version, the teenage version and the kid version <laughs> because yes. I have a child. So not my SPD child, but my yes. other son, he does mm-hmm. not have autism, ADHD or anything, but his executive yeah. functioning skills are way off the charts. Not all of them, but like a handful of them. So that was something yeah. that we had to navigate huge with him in middle school it was like once middle school hit suddenly it was like he was a different kid and couldn't do anything and so we've had to really work hard at 
uh, having just creating organization in his folder. He just couldn't do it. And it was hard for me to understand because my oldest, she's very responsible. She's organized. I don't have to micromanage her. She just does it. Where my middle guy, I have to micromanage everything because his executive functioning skills are off. And like you said, I was just expecting it. Because my oldest yeah. daughter does it, so why mm-hmm. can't you do it? And part of yeah. it is being a middle child. Middle children are more, their oh, executive God. functioning is a little bit more off. It just has something to do with birth order. But then there are other reasons, too. And so, I mean, we had to bust out charts. And we're, yeah, we're. I'm still learning in that area. Yes. But if you have an ADHD child out there, that is something, one, I would recommend that book, Smart But Scattered, but then mm-hmm. also that is something you're going to have to start planning for, is how am I going to teach my kids executive functioning skills that may not come naturally? Yes. Amen to that. Yes. And and uh, when you were saying, like, when he got to middle school, that's that's a perfect example of how the expectation doesn't meet the, where the development is at mm-hmm. that time. But basically, it's like they expect all these kids at this age to be able to be independent. So we think you're supposed to be able to do that. But this is that we grow all at different rates and at different times, and these skills yeah. develop over time. So. Um, these parents, you're right. Parents need to understand it is okay. And there's nothing shameful about having to give your child support in these areas of organization and follow through and impulsivity and following directions. It's okay to do that. And don't feel like they should be able to do that. Something's wrong with them. Mm -hmm. They're not 25 yet. They're still, they might develop those skills a year from now, two years from now, they might struggle their whole lives, but provide them what they need to be successful. Mm -hmm. Because that's what we do as adults. Areas that we struggle with, we get help with. I mean, mm-hmm. that's, that's what we do. Right. So right. I love that you brought that up. Yeah. yeah. So how is God using your ADHD? So we talk about we're created unique on purpose. Even those of us that have ADHD or autism or whatever, how, how is God using it for you as an adult? Oh, man, that's a question. Well, you know what's so funny is... I didn't even talk about my own ADHD. This is probably the first interview I've ever done where I've really talked about my own ADHD. <laughs> it's hilarious because even when I started at Heart for All Students, I was never talked to, I didn't even, I don't think I even knew. I think I probably got diagnosed after that. But um, I mean, it's just, it's been very humbling. It's allowed me to give myself much more grace. Um, I, I think uh, when I used to become, uh, overwhelmed with to-do lists and stuff, I, I would, it would be this shameful, it's such the enemy, it's shameful, like, what's wrong with you? Why can't you do this? What, what, she can do it. This mom can do it, you know? And it was just this, there's just such grace into understanding who you are and how you're designed. I mean, it's such, and just compassion for myself, which is huge because I'm not used to that kind of talk, but truly, like, it's recognizing just these limitations that I have and then being able to be like, no, you're not a total loser. You're not the worst mother in the world. Mm-hmm. That type of stuff. It's, it's, it's the self talk. It's how it's speaking to myself. The Bible says we are to love our neighbors as ourselves, which means we are supposed to care for ourselves. Right. We can't love our neighbors if we don't know. And I know it's so cheese ball and it's been just totally destroyed in our culture, but loving ourselves. Jesus tells us to do that. And yet we miss that so much. I miss that so much growing up in the mm-hmm. church. I miss that so much. So I think the ADHD and then just this whole journey of my family and understanding how people are just different and struggling. We've had lots of struggles, but, but have been fruitful in that department and, and helping me care for 
the person God designed me to be. Yeah. And that just helps me love and show so much compassion for other people. I used to be so judgmental. I didn't even know it. Mm-hmm. I mean, I was in the Bible left every, constantly. I know so much scripture and memorized it all. And I was such a good Christian mama. And yet I was so prideful and judging people and didn't even know it. Mm-hmm. Didn't even realize it. And now it's like, I see a mom struggling. I just want to like give her a hug and be like, girlfriend, you got it. Like I get it. So I guess it's just, it's a lot. It's, it's a lot. It sounds like what it has done for you is giving you more of a heart of uh, a piece of Christ's heart. You know, you uh, seem to have more of Christ's heart developed uh, in yeah. you than before. Yeah. I'm reminded of the scripture. Um, I want to say it's John chapter nine. I should know this because it's my favorite. And it's one, yeah. one of the reasons why I started this. Pod- I have a lot of reasons why I started this podcast, but it's the scripture that really comes to mind. And that is when the disciples, they show Jesus this blind man and they say, okay, Jesus, whose fault was it? Was it their parents' fault? Was it his fault? Why is he blind? And Jesus says, well, no, he's not blind because of someone's sin. He's blind because he is meant to bring glory to God, the father. And that's when Jesus heals him. And that verse is so profound to me because, Mm -hmm. again, we can look at all of these things as a disadvantage when God is saying, no, I want to use this to glorify myself. And and that's beautiful. And that's what you're doing. You can find Lindsay at a heart for all students dot com. And you can also follow her at a heart for all students on Facebook and Instagram. Um, Lindsay, can you just we've talked a lot about being parents and a teacher, Mm -hmm. but can you speak before we before we close Speak to the parent right now that maybe is grieving because they find mm-hmm. they found out that their child is different. Mm-hmm. Speak to that parent right now. Oh, well, I want that mama, and I'm going to speak to the mama because that's just who I speak to, to know that your child is a gift to this world. And God has a huge plan for your child, exactly how your child, who your child is. Like, there is a plan for your child that is good. And don't let the world tell you that 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 this is a, a sentence for a life of bad because it's not. It is good. Your child, when you understand your child, you will be so blessed. Your child will be so blessed. Know that your child is a gift. Like there's no mistakes. God doesn't make mistakes. Your child is a gift. And be encouraged because just watch. Remember, Einstein had autism. You know, Edison, they believe, had autism. Some of the most successful people in our world today have autism or ADHD. Autism is a gift. There's, there's such gifts in every single person. Mm -hmm. And it's the world that tells them there isn't. So be encouraged, be encouraged and find mamas who get it. Find mamas who get it. You need your community very much. So yes, I love that. Thank you so much, Lindsay, for joining us today and just giving your insight as not just as an ADHD mom, but also as an educator too, that you were able to speak to kind of all different aspects of that world. So thank you so much for being here today. Oh, this is my ple- it was a pleasure. It was such a privilege. Thank you. Thank you for listening to today's episode of the Unique on Purpose podcast. And thank you to Lindsay for sharing her story with us. I hope that it was helpful to you, whether you are an ADHD person yourself, your child, or maybe your student has ADHD. Join me next week for our third episode in the ADHD series where we talk about owning a business 
with ADHD. Unique on Purpose is available on iTunes as well as Spotify. So don't forget to share, download, and subscribe. And remember, you were created unique on purpose. You are loved. And because of Christ, you have been made worthy. I will see you next time.